Hey everyone and welcome to our Wednesday special. Before we jump in, let me remind you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast on whatever platform you are listening. Head over to Twitter and find me at RightStepADV. Leave me notes, comments, and suggestions on future topics there. But enough of the intro, let's get into it today. Cut down time and practice squads. It is about that time of year, so I figured it was a good and relevant topic as we are uh, just about a week away from that time happening. Just a little background, prior to my time as an area scout, I was a scouting assistant for one year and a pro scout for two years. So everything uh, that I did in those roles, I was intimately involved in all aspects of cutdowns. Got to see all of these aspects close up. It is something that is very tough to go through, both for players, for coaches, for scouts, really anyone in the building that has had an interaction with these players, um, cut down time is, is tough. It's the reality in the NFL. That is just part of it. A roster goes from 90 to player, 90 players down to 85, down to 80 before getting all the way down to 53. As of this podcast coming out, teams are down to 80 players with final cut down coming August 30th after that third and final preseason game. Of course, teams will then be able to bring back 16 players for the practice squad, but there is a big difference between getting that phone call right after your third preseason game and having to wait out the process to sign a practice squad contract and waiting around for the phone to ring and finally knowing that you made that initial NFL roster. Now, there are, of course, exceptions to uh, players being caught, knowing they will be brought back almost immediately based on health, contract status, other extenuating circumstances, usually with veteran players. But for the most part, to be on the practice squad means it's going to be at least a few weeks before you have a chance to get back on the field and play on Sunday. So with all that being said, let's start with the cut-down process. What does it look like at each stage, and how is it handled in the building? So 90 players... Teams get uh, right after the draft, you get up to 90 players. Uh, first, you have to get down to 85 to start it off. For the front office, pro scouts, others that will be actively part of the process, that first initial cut down of five players is a time to you know really ensure logistics of how cut downs are going to go, make sure everything's ironed out. This is especially true when there are new people in all the seats that are going to handle their different roles. Equipment, athletic training staff, coaches, cap and contracts, as well as player development are all part of this process. The vast majority of the players that are going to be um, back on the practice squad are not going to be part of this initial cut. So they're going to be on a plane headed back home, wherever that is once these uh, initial cuts happen. Again, for most of these players, the writing has been on the wall that they'll likely be included in the first round of cuts, maybe the first two rounds of cuts. Uh, just the opportunity to suit up was a dream come true. Most will continue to work for the next opportunity, whether that is back with another NFL team up north in the CFL or with one of the upstarts or restarts XFL or USFL leagues. From 85 to 80 is still largely not going to be a whole lot of surprises. As I talked about on last week's Wednesday special, most of the active roster is likely down on paper. Uh, maybe these guys could be fighting for a practice squad spot. They're trying to show something that you know makes the team keep them around. But you know, at this point, they're going to be out on the street. Now, in most cases, being cut in the second round, again, will mean you're not going to be on the practice squad for your current team. But in this round, you may start to get some interest from other teams around the NFL who may be calling and asking about a possible practice squad spot there after they cut down to 53. 
would you be interested in adding uh, a player to their practice squad? Well, that's something that you and your agent are going to be talking about. After the third preseason game is where the tensions really start to be heightened as the players that played in that third preseason game know that they could be turning their playbook come Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, depending on when your final preseason game is. With Tuesday being that deadline for teams that played on Thursday, Friday and Saturday will likely be you know, spreading their cuts out over several days. For teams playing on Sunday, you're probably looking at slicing down the roster over the course of two days. Uh, I've been in a situation like that where um, cuts were a little bit different, but uh, it makes it a very long two days to get get cut down. Uh, again, you're eliminating 27 players from an active roster. Uh, it can be a hectic couple of days. Teams will utilize off days, mostly uh, empty the buildings, ask players, staff, extra people in the building to stay out. They will do all they can to be considerate of the players whose active NFL dreams are currently, for the moment, being dashed. One thing I can assure you, no matter how heartless, no matter how brutal the NFL feels as a whole at times, um, these cutdowns are some of the hardest days of the entire year for everyone in the building. These players have been with you almost daily uh, since they've been drafted, since they've been signed as undrafted free agents. Some of these players have been with you for multiple years, have you know fought, battled, been on the practice squad, been on the active roster, been good players on your team. They've given a lot of themselves to the organization. The scouts have gotten to know them both on and off the field. Coaches have invested time, energy. GMs and head coaches have done all they can to create an environment for them to succeed. But again, at the end of the day, uh, a 53-man roster is a very exclusive group to be part of, and it's part of the NFL. You've got to get cut down to 53. does not make things any easier. Uh, you have to get these through these two days and get into your season. So let's get into what a cut-down day looks like. I'm going to approach it from the perspective, uh, just for ease of talking through everything, of a team that plays on Saturday. That's half of the NFL this year. Uh, their rosters are currently at 80, and they will now have Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday morning, basically, to get down to 53. After that third preseason game, the building is going to be open for treatment, mostly in the morning after the game. Again, allow players to get in, do their you know post-game review, which is usually quick because teams are wanting to move on to cut-down time. Uh, again, get their injuries taken care of, get treatment, whatever it's done. But then players are going to be told largely to be out of the building by noon so the cut-down process can take place. Over the next few days, the building will be largely quiet as guys focusing in on treatment. They start to do some prep for week one, which has been happening probably for coaches for a couple weeks, for players maybe for a week. Um, so, you know, have a little more lead time into week one. So, again, it's really about keeping the building quiet. That way, everything can happen without too many disturbances. Once the afternoon hits, the scouting departments will convene, and with 27 players to cut, uh, they'll probably start distributing a list, likely eight to 10 players on that first day they will want to call into the office. Whether it is a pro scout, a pro director, a scouting assistant, whoever it is, that one person is going to start making calls and getting players in the building throughout the afternoon. From there, the logistics really start going. Most players have been told or prepped on the process and understand the process have been uh, and are ready to go. When they arrive, they're going to be met by someone on staff, and the first conversation of the day is almost always going to be with both the head coach and the GM. 
Some meetings will be short, others may last a little bit longer, 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, after that, it becomes just a standard checkout procedure with all the parties involved. Checking in equipment, checking in their iPad or playbook, finalizing contract de details with the cap and contract person, talking to the athletic training staff, talking to their position coach, and then getting travel booked, finally getting checked out with player development. Players in the process will be in the building from I don't know, anywhere from a half hour if they really want to get through quick to several hours as they take their time going through the process. Uh, during this time, again, having been one of the people that walks players through this, you see the full range of emotions. Guys will be unable to fight the tears back while others are just grateful for the opportunity and uh, you know, truly believe that God has something else out there for them to go and attack. Uh, for number's sake, just as we talk through this, we'll see, say the team cuts 11 players on day one, gets down to 69 players. Again, that leaves you with 16 players left to go over your next two days. I picked 16 because that's the number of practice squad spots available under current rules. Um, most of the players uh, in the 16 now will be likely back on the practice squad. Again, that changes uh, some of the conversations, changes you know some of the processes they go through, but for the most part, you still have to treat them like they are going to be cut and may not be back in the building. Some of these players could be claimed by, by other teams or may just choose to see what else is out there. Maybe their experience with the team just wasn't as great and uh, they want to look for new opportunities. Um, and likewise, the team may choose to keep a couple practice squad spots open. That way they can see who else is released from other squads and maybe try to bring them in. So your initial day is done, Saturday is done, now on to Monday. Coaches, general managers, head coaches, scouts have all spent time again in meetings, continuing to watch film, discussing what they want to do with that 53. Again, if you listen to last week's Wednesday special, there's probably four to five spots on the active roster that have really been up for debate. Probably eight to nine total players of those 16 um, you know, players left to be cut that are really in consideration for those four to five spots. In many instances, of the 16 players left to cut, we'll say 10 of them are those decisions that are not, again, not new, too difficult to make. Uh, players that barely clearly need more development, just aren't ready to play on the big stage. Maybe it's a numbers game, any of those things. Those players will probably be called in on Monday morning. We'll go through much of the same process the initial cuts went through. The biggest difference is many of these players will be told to hang tight, stay in their hotel, house, wherever they stay, in apartment building until all rosters are cut down and waivers are completed. Again, that's because these players, if they clear waivers, will be notified that they have cleared and will sign back to the practice squad. That day comes and goes, the team is down, we'll say six cuts left to make. Again, this is where the decisions can become really, really difficult. Long days Monday with both uh, short and long-term thinking from the head coach, from the GM, from you know people in the building, conversations about maybe position matchups, practice and having people to practice, um, who has earned it, who has been good in the classroom. Again, where their draft status is is going to affect it as we talked about last time and again their contract status. Uh, you know, teams choosing to go with youth and cheaper contracts over maybe a vet if there's a tiebreaker anything like that. Everything under the sun may be discussed in the effort to make the best decision to get down to the 53 that you need. 
Tuesday morning arrives, and again, once again, those six names who did not make the cut are handed off to whoever in the personnel department. Again, most likely a scout who is responsible for making the phone calls. I've seen it in certain situations where even with six names left to cut, you may get four of them while continued discussion happens on those final two spots. Again, a similar process starts with these players almost assuredly being told that they want them back on the practice squad. Um, again, these players have the highest chance of being claimed off waivers as they were probably some of your better players in the preseason. Um, so, you know, knowing that they have a chance to be claimed by another team or have interest from other practice squads may make those de decisions more difficult, but they will go through the same checkout process and just in case they, you, they will be told to head to a spot where they will need to either wait for a call that they got claimed or that they can come back and sign that practice squad contract. And that's it for the players anyway. Again, players are a big part of the process. Teams do everything they can to be respectful, knowing the work and the time that they have put in. Uh, but again, that is just the way it goes, getting from 90 all the way down to 53. Other things happen as all this is going down. Again, trade talks. You're always going to be having pro scouts, uh, directors, um, teams are going to be calling around, you know, kind of fishing for information, trying to figure out, hey, could we wait and try to claim this guy? Do we need to trade him? Is there somebody that we just want so, so bad we're willing to make a trade for him? Um, if they think a guy's going to get cut and uh, are worried about you know, them clearing waivers, maybe they're a good team lower down in the waiver process, they're convinced somebody else up high is going to grab them. Again, they may make a trade. Again, you always get the big name player swaps based on cap contract or maybe a young guy just flat beat them out. Uh, this is always a big time when you see swing left tackles or backup offensive linemen start moving around because, again, those guys are always hard to find. Pro scouting directors are also going to be making calls to agents every time a player is cut to notify them of the release with how they view the player and what they you know, are thinking about moving forward. Like players, most agents uh, understand the status of their player and are going to be cordial, uh, again, though disappointed when their guy is released. There is always one or two agents where they just appear absolutely baffled, have no shortage of blasphemous words to throw back to the team. Uh, to any agents listening to this, don't be that guy. I've had to deal with them personally. Um, a week later, they're calling, trying to get a guy back in for a workout. Agents don't uh, forget, scouts don't either. So again, don't be that guy. Teams are doing everything they can to build the right roster. So again, always be considerate to that. Um, I would say that pretty much sums up the cut down experience. So let's hit on how teams build their practice squads. A few factors are gonna go into this and each team will have kind of their own unique way of doing it. The first thing, I would say the best thing, the best way to build it is through a development mindset. This is the way practice squads were designed to be utilized. Again, with the old rules of practice squads, there was uh, really an effort and emphasis to keep veteran players off the practice squads, allow younger, you know, small school guys, late developers, um, a chance to be in an NFL building and really get better before they step onto the field. Uh, they'll have the chance to practice every day with an NFL team, lift, do everything else the active players are doing. They will uh, spend extra time working on the areas they need to get better. Again, that developmental way I think is the best way to do it. Uh, teams that build this, uh, their team this way are usually going to be considered the more draft and develop type teams that maintain a large part of their roster uh, from the inside. Uh, you know, traditionally teams like Green Bay and Baltimore have used this approach um, and you know, usually find themselves on the right side of the salary cap. 
Another way teams utilize their practice squads is for, you know, strictly practice purposes. Different teams have different, you know, kind of practice policies for some of their vets. Um, they'll, vets will practice less days, especially as the season goes on. There is always a numbers game when it comes to taking practice reps. If you have a vet wide receiver or sometimes two vet wide receivers, they're going to be limited or out altogether on multiple days during the week. You're going to need extra bodies at receiver to take reps, allow the offense to function, allow the quarterback to see what he needs to see. Uh, same for corners, offensive line, you name it. Some of the positions, you know, really on the outside where you're running a lot more again you tend to carry extra bodies there just to get through practice again these may be players that don't have much developmental upside they may not have a future in the nfl but they're great practice players they're really good in the room they know what they're doing they do things the right way so it's always something to look at when you're looking at this practice squad numbers a newer way that is now being used is kind of as a short list or, you know, vet player stash area for that guy that's going to be called up quickly due to injury or other circumstances. Uh, this has really been around for the last couple years. Uh, you could say it was possibly part of the COVID uh, issues with kind of being a COVID short list, but uh, this is an easy way to stick them on the practice squad quick, easy contract. Uh, you don't have to make a move on the 53-man roster. You can get the player in the building, get them through a week of practice, elevate them for game day without risking someone to waivers or sticking you know, somebody on the active on IR. Um, again, rules have changed this way that have allowed practice squads to, uh, you know, to have more vets on them. Vets allowed more chances to play. Uh, I would argue in some ways it has hurt development uh, for some of the younger players, taking some pressure off coaches where you absolutely had to have those practice squad guys ready to play in case something happened. Uh, easy to go out and you know, sign a vet or two to a practice squad in a week and have them ready to go. But again, it's the way the world works, the way the NFL now operates, and it'll continue to be utilized in such a way again plenty of teams will have kind of a you know diversified approach to building that practice squad maybe they've got their developmental guys they've got a few vets and they maybe have a few guys that they're signing for their short list again no wrong way to do it but uh you know the teams that do it right will certainly look at that roster and love the way they do it so cut down time is coming now you know the inside scoop of how it all goes down from 53 to practice squad and how your favorite team may be putting it all together. If you have questions about the 53-man roster, I would encourage you to head to last week's Wednesday special and listen in where we talked about putting that 53-man roster together, how teams make those final decisions. Uh, I've gone long today, so that does it. Like, subscribe, and share. Find me on Twitter at RightStepADV. Tune in tomorrow as we break down our next player and in everything you do, keep scouting.